Welcome to the Watch OK Please podcast, a podcast where three friends try to convince each other to devote what little time they have left to watch more TV and or movies than they've ever wanted to watch. Please join us while we argue about our media cues and waste everyone's valuable time on things that just don't matter. Hey folks, it's Nyan, and thanks again for downloading and maybe even listening to our incessant rambling on another episode of the Watch OK Please podcast. On this week's episode, we get Scott and Dan's feedback on the show Documentary Now, which is available on Netflix and AMC Plus as of recording. As a quick heads up, we might get a little spoilery for the episodes of Documentary Now I pitched, so if you don't want to get spoiled for those episodes, please watch them before listening to the feedback. Then, because I think the panel has a lot to learn when it comes to sexual relationships, I pitched the dramedy series, Sex Education, that's available on Netflix. As always, if you're enjoying or hating any part of this podcast, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can also hit us up on our Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook pages, as we do monitor those outlets. You can even leave us a voicemail on our Anchor page at anchor.fm slash please, which we definitely encourage you to do, because we love hearing about all the things we've done wrong. And of course, if all of that is too much of a pain, just please feel free to complain about us on your social media platform of choice. With that said, grab some protection and get ready for a very awkward, but definitely long overdue discussion of uncomfortable topics, including, but not limited to, birds and or bees. All right, guys, welcome back. We are here to talk uh, and get feedback on uh, what Scott and Dan thought about Documentary Now, which is currently available on Netflix and AMC Plus, at least at the time of recording. Um, it's still better than books, uh, but I would like to know, I'm assuming you didn't read any books associated with this. So please, Scott, Dan, tell me, what did you think? Uh, I have to say, I thought the episodes that I saw were better than a lot of books that I've read. So you were not, uh, you know, you weren't lying about that one. No lie detected. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I definitely did enjoy uh, each of the episodes. I have to say, I think my favorite episode was uh, Juan Likes Chicken and Rice. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, I mean, yeah, I, I, yeah, to me, to me, like, basically, I, th- I thought that they captured the essence of Jiro, uh, Jiro Love, uh, Love Sushi, but they also captured, like, a lot of the these new... I would say, you know, cook, like you know, you know, food-related documentary, um, you know, chef's table kind of, you know, kind of vignettes, uh, where they really kind of go into like the life story of these people. So it was a combination of both of those. So, it's, so it's, they were again, it was obviously targeting that one specific documentary, but at the same time, I get, I got all of these tropes and from other places as well. So it was incredibly well done. It really kind of made you like, like, think about like, oh wow, it's just you know how you know how could a simple dish like you know arroz con pollo be so complex and apparently well you know it's all in the technique apparently <laughs> yeah just the fact that they took i got you know and i never saw the um the sushi documentary um but it just i could kind of tell in a sense of what it was like because they just kind of took a lot of the or um just like this idea of someone just being so devoted to their food and their restaurant and this kind of unassuming, very simple place, but that, you know, gets all these, you know, fantastic ratings 
uh, and stuff like that. And they just took like all the elements of that type of a story and just took it to the absolute ridiculous extreme. And it was really funny. Uh, Fred Armisen, I thought especially was good at that one. Yeah, man. I mean, his, his, his Spanish has, has gotten so good over the years. <laughs> so Scott, do, would this inspire you to go out and watch Jiro Dreams of Sushi? Um, I'm not sure if just watching this in and of itself would, would, uh, get me to watch the documentary. Um, I kind of heard of it and I was interested in seeing it, um, in general, you know, just, uh, overall, but I just haven't gotten to it yet. I also never saw whatever documentary the co-op one was based on. Um, but, uh, that one I thought would just didn't appeal to me as much, but I thought the, the rice and chicken one was very well done. Oh, yeah. Well, the co-op documentary, is, it's a little funny because it didn't get as wide distribution. Uh, co-op was based on um, the a, a documentary that D, I believe it's, it was D.A. Pennebaker did of uh, the cast recording of the show Company mm-hmm. uh, when they did that. So um, I, I think maybe that appeals to, to Dan and I more just having, um, you know, done so much theater over the years. And having, because, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, we, we I mean, I auditioned for Company at school, you know, oh, so that's right. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, be, be, uh, it was in the last three. It was uh, me and Nick, uh, and Nick, and one other person. I can't remember if it was Michael Michael Rose or not. Might have been, uh, but it was like three, three, three like freshmen basically all were, all were volunteering. So nice. So what what did you? So Scott, you weren't you weren't into co op as much, but Dan, what did you think? Uh, Richard Kind was brilliant, by the way. <laughs> oh, so good. <laughs> he was good. I will say that the the song that he he did where he tried to like hold his breath as long as possible while saying those ridiculous lyrics. I mean, obviously that takes a lot of talent. Right. Well, but but that, again, the, the trope of, of singers not breathing where they're supposed to, it, it, it is persistent amongst so many shows. And especially when you have long runs of words, especially in a, in a, in a, in a say in a Sondheim show, um, you know, this kind of thing can happen a lot. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, even like you think about West Side Story, you know, um, you, you know, uh, you know, there's a, even some runs in certain shows where like there's lots of words like that. So you're not—it's not quite Eminem spitting fast, but it gets pretty close. But yeah, I mean, I and um, I was singing Brown on the Brown and Brown and the Beige, you know, afterwards for sure <laughs> for, for a while. Um, I just, I, I just, I just loved, I just loved how like everyone was joining in at the end. There it was pretty, pretty amazing, and like, and and and. The damn Klein kid who hit all the elevator buttons. I want. I still want to punch him in the face. Oh, understandable. Oh my god. <laughs> it was the worst. I, I love. I love Paula Pell in that. Like, yeah, she she nailed. Like, I, I guess it's Ellen Burstyn. Who's, yes, who she's who she's doing. And then, well, I I've I'm always I Renee Elise Goldsberry is a celebrity crush. So to see her in this yeah. and. You know, like post Hamilton. Also, I've I've loved her ever. Well, I fell in love with her when she was in One Life to Live as Evangeline, um, right. because I would watch that One Life to Live over and over again for some reason. Um, I don't remember exactly why I was stuck at home, but I was stuck at home, and I've seen a lot of uh, uh, Renee Lee Goldsberry pre Hamilton, and she was always awesome. And then, but you know, to go from Hamilton and then out. I don't know if you guys have seen uh, Girls Five Eva, the um, the 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 nineties uh, girl band parody on uh, Peacock, which is also amazing. No, we, um, we talked about that actually uh, before, uh, but yeah, I, I, I've not yet had a chance to see it yet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I saw right. the first, whatever episodes were available for free on Peacock. And I did enjoy that very much. Yeah. And both of them are, are very good in that. 
Yeah, they just, and, you know, I think between, actually, the, I did really appreciate that. I always appreciate when James Urbaniak shows up, but that's partially because he played Dr. Venture in Venture Brothers. So I have a real uh, soft spot for him. Um, but I think he nails it every time. I, Mulaney, I mean, killed it um, oh, he, the whole time. He, he was amazing. <sighs> so good. Um, <laughs> ruined. So cutting. Yeah, ruined. 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 I, 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 I literally, I, like, if, I, if I had like any, I was drinking at the time, I probably wouldn't, would have almost definitely did a spit take on that. Oh God, I, it was, it was like that. Cause, but, but honestly, if you think about it, there's been so many, like, you know, you know, there's so many like, loose rhymes in some shows like that. So again, and it's another trope for real, um, you know, that, 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 that exists there. But it's just like, if you think about, you know, cast recordings and everything they have to do and like and then you know like i don't remember what the take was it take take 147 or where it was (laughs) i was like no i I just want to get my eyes checked (laughs) oh my god (laughs) i was like i was was losing it (laughs) but no i mean i but again I, i think that you know um you know moving into like the the the, the third two part the third uh the two-parter uh the blue jean committee um i mean like legit i mean this is like, you know, the kind of content that, you know, that, you know, lots of places out there. I mean, the Andy Samberg movie uh, that he did, um, you know, he was portraying a pop star or whatnot. I mean, again, there's there's so many like, you know, but it's like that, but meets like behind the music. And, you know, it just there was just so many, you know, really crazy points in there. I mean, I mean, the fact that they both went to sausage school in Chicago, which was which was ridiculous. <laughs> right. Um, but like some some of my fa- some of my favorite uh, notes in here I had here was um uh, falsetto is manly. Uh, that was that was pretty hilarious to me. Um, you know, I, th- I think I think various members, uh, uh, you know, uh, of of a certain uh, Jersey Boys related group uh, would probably agree with that statement. Um, the band Shreveport. What the hell? <laughs> Again, I, I another spit take worthy moment for sure. And that and, was great. Uh, and like, and what the, the, the one thing I wanted, I wanted to, I wanted to, you know, note for future reference that master's degree in small talk. I mean, that is that, that lyric like was just, oh, so good. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 little something, something there. Oh, and, 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 and just overall, I mean, like, uh, oh, by, oh, by the way, I, I, so did Bill Hader have someone else record that falsetto for him? And if so, was it one of the members of Haim? That is a great question. I have no idea. Um, I would have to think that it was someone else. I mean, because I, th- I, th- I thought it was too coincidental that they had Haim, Haim being interviewed, right? Right. Yeah. And, and and they had all these awesome. They had everyone. They, they had Cameron Crowe. They had you, you know they had uh, uh, Daryl Hall. They, and they they brought all these people on. I'm like and, they, and Kenny Loggins. I'm like what? It was like it was ridiculous. Yeah, the pull that they get and the you know the the cameos they get and the production values for all this stuff, it's just it's so well done. It's amazing all the stuff that they pull together. Um, I mean, it's got to be a, a mix of SNL cachet and Seth Meyers and um, yeah. you know just having his own late night show. But like, yeah, it, they they I I I I'm with you. I think they do a great job. It's like yeah, it, it's kind of like it, it took out like kind of a, an idea like okay, well, we want to smush together almost famous and behind the music and. A little bit of you know satire, and you know put it, put it together like that. I'm like, it was, it, it, you know, this is the kind of like you know, you know, you know, documentary kind of twist that makes you want to start a fake band just to make a f- documentary. <laughs> That's right. 
Uh, yeah. Also, I got um, vibes from uh, this is Spinal Tap from that. Yes. Good. That's another good point. Yeah. Oh, totally. Agreed. Uh, but I I wonder if it was on purpose or just for scheduling reasons that they were able to get Hall but not Oates and Loggins but not Messina. That's fair. They might, well, you know what? I mean, realistically, uh, Daryl Hall's kind of done better for himself. Um, he had a he had a sh- did he have a show called Daryl's House where he would like he would have people come over and record. Like he's he's done stuff more recently. And, and Loggins uh, without Messina, I don't know. I feel like they may have gotten the more popular of the folks. And obviously, I'm going to get death threats from both Oates <laughs> fans and Messina fans. I understand that. I, I signed up for this. But um, and I, I, don't get me wrong, I love oats. I mean, I'm a, I'm here for an oats jam. I before we started recording, I was talking about how much I loved oats's oats's take with Jamie Cullum on um Hanson Boy Modeling School's uh, White People album, like that that cut they do uh, the great grace the greatest mistake. So good, love me some oats. Um, I I'm assuming Messina's fine. Um, <laughs> but, but just, yeah. just to be just to be clear, Nine is not condoning to have uh, have overnight oats. So Oates, Oates is not staying the night. He comes over. No, 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 no overnight Oates. <laughs> definitely, definitely not. Sorry. I'm cause I'm a man eater. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> That's where that came from. Yeah. But yeah, that, yeah. But I, I thought that yeah, there, there was, there's a lot in there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, but it's funny how like, you know, it's, you think about it, there's, there's been a lot of, you know, big pairs of people, you know, I mean, there, Simon Garfunkel, obviously another obvious, you know, choice out there we talk about you know famous duos or whatnot so it's 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 no you know it's interesting how gene and Ho- uh, and uh honus uh you know clark ended up basically you know uh you know in that regard very interesting to say the least and i, and I bet you those those uh those catalina based uh, beverages probably taste like garbage oh 100 <laughs> yeah um although i have to say that action figure of Fred Armisen, like as Clark, uh, or no, he was Gene. Gene. He was Gene. That action figure of Gene, it really did look like him. Yeah, like they did a scarily awesome good cast of that. It was, <laughs> it I was really very mad, mad impressed by that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, and plus, like, I mean, and, and the music was like pretty hilarious too. Um, you know, I, I, again, they did they did a good job. I mean, the orchestrations were you know simple. Again, California inspired, like they said. You know, so I thought it was you know. You know, really neat how that it, it took that twist, you know, to get them there. But yeah, I mean, again, I mean, all, all these approaches again, again. I think that you know what I would say is this: if I was telling, if I was doing a you know a, a pitch of a pitch of this pitch, if you will, um, is that you know finding you know the right documentary or the right topic that hits certain people. Like again, you know, we all took different kinds of inspirations or thoughts or things from from the, from these episodes we watched. And I think that, you know, if say if someone was into a sports documentary or whatever the case is, you know, you, you choose a topic or whatnot. And if they found a corresponding episode here within, you know, documentary now, I'm sure that, you know, what they'd pull out of it would be just as deep, if not deeper than what we're getting out of it. And so I think, you know, that, I mean, that this is the reason why it's like, you know, like, because for the most part, they're fairly short, um, except for you're doing a two parter, basically, you know, these I think are still digestible. You know, I mean, it's good to sit down with it. You know, I like, you know, me, I'd sit down with a beer, just hung out and just watched. It was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I did think it was really impressive, actually, that they were able to pack in so much like 
it, it almost seemed like they were full-length documentaries, even though each one was only 20 minutes long. Yeah, they are. There are definitely certainly a content dense in that in that sense. Like the jokes really stack on top of each other, and you you do feel like you're watching an entire documentary. Did you feel like Scott that, that there was enough there were there was enough Jackson Brown references in in the Blue Jean Committee <laughs> one? Because I know they didn't really touch on Seeger, and I felt real bad about that. Um, but they did. Yeah. Jackson Brown does does get mentioned. I think is one of the one of the acts that they perform with. At that animal oh, race. Oh, you're right. Yeah, sorry, I had forgotten about that. But yeah. yes, I was I was happy about the Jackson Brown reference. But really, I mean, they they really missed a golden opportunity to throw in a Bob Seger reference. I, I'm, I'm yeah. really disappointed. Yeah, I know. Well, hopefully they'll make some night moves on that, and maybe in, and they'll do another one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm I'm sure they were just you know racking their brains, but uh, they the, that reference kind of sank like a rock. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So, so guys, it, it sounds like you enjoyed this. It oh, sounds yeah. like th- this is something that you would watch again, maybe. Oh yeah. Really? Like I said, I, I think, I, I think, you know, I mean, I don't know if like, what I like about this also is because um, you mentioned before in your pitch that this is not episodic, like some of the stuff like we, we, we've done in the past. So this is great. So basically you can just look at like kind of the summary of that specific episode and say, Hey, you know what? That kind of sounds kind of cool. I'll check that one out. Um, you know, so this way you're not, you know, compelled to say, okay, you know, where was, what happened that last episode? Is there an episode recap? You know, so that it is kind of, you know, liberating to have shows like that where you don't necessarily have to be beholden to, you know, where you were in your queue, so to speak. Yeah. I think this is something I could watch here and there. And especially because the episodes are fairly short. Um, so you could get through them pretty quickly. And yeah, like Dan said, you could just kind of pick and choose ones based on the kind of the, the subject matter that, or the type of documentary that they're uh, that they're trying to make an homage to and, and do it like that. Um, so yeah, I, I would definitely consider watching more episodes. So consider or actually do it. Uh, I guess that's the question. Like, see, no, I mean, that's that's being to sound like a uh, a shakedown, breakdown, shakedown. Hey, everybody, sorry. <laughs> I'm just saying copyright, I'm, copyright I'm for, plan, for hard commitments here. I'm I'm looking for like you're gonna climb it randomly through some foothills in Colombia just to go to a restaurant and watch this show. Like, oh, by the way, those... by the way, bring bring a water bottle with you. Yeah, definitely bring a water bottle. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they really uh, dropped the ball on that one. That's kind of you know, you, 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 that's that, on that should be. Um, you should be you should be thinking about that without having to mention it. So I'm in all seriousness, basically, I, I kind of want like I want to hear somebody. Like a YouTuber, you know, a food, a food blogger, basically, who actually tries to reproduce the dishes the way that they actually, the way that they did it in the, in the documentary. I would love them to, to like get a power, <laughs> a power launcher for their chicken after massaging it for an hour. I, I, I would really love to hear like what, what you know, a side by side tasting, basically. So normal preparation versus you know, you know, uh, Juan Juan's preparation, and oh. I think it'd be amazing to do a taste test. Oh yeah, I'd want to see them chase the chicken too. Like yeah. that that has to happen. But so so bottom line, is this something you guys will watch oh, yeah. going forward as a definitely or is this like a, a maybe? No, so, I'm, de- I'm I'm definitely going to pick something up here here or there obviously and we're, you know, at the time of recording, you know, we're 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 kind of in the prelude to a lot of big things hitting 
uh, after uh, in, in, about a, in about a month or so. But so I'm hoping I can squeeze at least one or two more in uh, before things get crazy on the uh, the sci-fi slash uh, um, you know other comics front that are coming up in the next couple months. So I'm gonna try and do my best. Yeah, I all right. I'll commit to say that I will watch uh, some more episodes. But you know, just like one. Uh, I hope that by watching some more of the episodes of the show, it'll make my dreams come true. Oh, oh. It, it will probably. Like I, I'm, I'm willing to commit to that because uh, if if, I, if it doesn't happen, I, you, I owe you nothing. So, which is great <laughs> for me. Um, that works. So well. Is anything else? Is anything else? You know? Is anything else, Scott? If there's one thing you've taken also from this, is that maybe you should just watch more videos of him. Uh, yeah, I, I can get. Ugh, I can get on board with that. Well, you have the upper. Well, I'm, I'm jumping ahead and definitely getting off topic. But if we're talking about Haim, um, well, one before we get into Haim, this I think this gives you the opportunity to check out the actual documentaries they're based on because they're based on some really good documumentaries, like the Docking Heads one, the um, Stopping Sense. Stop is a good sense, documentary. Yeah. Uh, Kids Taking Pictures is a great documentary. Uh, Thin Blue Line, great documentary. Um, but if we're talking Haim, uh, as of recording, uh, the trailer for Paul Thomas Anderson's Licorice Pizza has dropped, which stars uh, Alana Haim um, oh. in, in one of the main roles. The, the trailer is available up on wherever you get your trailers from. And I, I'm just a huge Paul Thomas Anderson fan. So for me, it, it just hits that sweet spot. And I realized the other day, I think I like him better than I like Tarantino, which is hard wow. for me to say. But I think, I think it's true. It's weird, but it's true. There, yeah, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of director hot takes I'm hearing now, uh, coming out now. So it's you know honestly I, I'm not surprised anymore at what I hear, especially when you have like you know n- newer newer fresher directors coming down the pike here. You know I mean you know you know you know uh, you know uh, what's your favorite Zhao coming off the Oscar win right. amongst others basically. So there's all these new people coming down the track now. I mean it's great that you know. It's, and again, not that I don't love, you know, the these the the other the the kind of I'd say the original school directors from what we've been brought up on, basically. But you know, it's always cool to see someone new, and you know, and having someone like Anderson, you know, kind of bring another bring another one back here. You know, probably it's probably good for everyone's, you know, well, bunch of learning. We talked a bit about this earlier today. Is that you know, learning? It's good to learn things. So that is true, and yeah. I I think just comparatively, like in terms of the. The nature of the films, I, and I, for me, it's, in my head, it's always it's always Tarantino and Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, but as much as Tarantino wants to let me know that he used to work in a video store with every uh, with every single movie he makes, Paul Thomas Anderson stuff, it still it li- li- hits on a personal level and touches my personal interest in seventies uh, filmmaking aesthetics. And I just infatuation with it. It just hits a, a sweet spot for me. So I'm not saying it's for everybody, but man, it just. If you've got that itch, he scratches it so well and just creates such amazing, such amazing character development with, with, with pretty much every movie I feel like he throws out there, man. It's weird. It's real weird, but I don't know. It just, it, it does the magic for me. And I realize that's off topic. I apologize, no, but I still it, think it's it, interesting. Let me put it this way. It, it makes you want to put on those walking shoes. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. Just put on those roller skates and, and, um, and, you know, it really like seems like you didn't have to be a rich girl to eat at Juan's restaurant. <laughs> yes. No, you do not. Uh, but I did appreciate too that Diego has Skittles as one of the like the toppings of the food. <laughs> that was amazing. That was oh, yeah. and, 
in that one, what you guys watch, uh, do we, who I, I didn't recognize initially, but uh, Guillermo from um, What We Do in the Shadows is um, is the, the kid who works at the at the restaurant. Harvey Guillen is the actor's name. Um, oh, I, 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 didn't I knew that, that he looked familiar, but I couldn't place it. But yes, now that uh, definitely makes sense. Yeah. He is awesome. Yeah, yes. yeah but you get, you, again, if you don't get the butter in, butter in time, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yep. I mean, he was a little bit late, so, you know, it's his fault. It is true. It is his fault. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, again, it, it, if you, the thing is, if you ride the bike too fast, you'll, you'll feel like you have been churning butter. <laughs> it's true. But at least you're not doing it naked. Uh, but yeah, and, uh, um, he is all he is very good in uh, what we do in the shadows, which I think is a show we've all seen now. Otherwise, it'd be great to do for this show. For the oh podcast. yeah, I mean, that, that, then again, that's there's nothing stopping us. We haven't done a. We've talked about doing uh, uh, pitches of shows that we all actually enjoy, or at least two of us enjoy, it, or pitching to the other one. So it's always a possibility. I think I think you know I think that maybe during certain points of the year, say like on a holiday special, you know, we could probably do something a little, a little off the beaten track there. Yeah, you know, you keep an eye out for that, everyone. All right, so it sounds like that's what you guys thought, right? It is. It is. All right, guys, it's nine. I'm here to pitch a show that um, you may have heard of. Maybe you haven't heard of, um, but it has two. It, the name of the show is two words you both definitely heard of. The first is sex. The second is education. You put them together. Boom. Sex education on Netflix. Um, currently, uh, three seasons have been released as of recording. It's a great show. And I'm going to tell you why you're going to love watching this, even though you're, you're going to you, it doesn't matter whether you you'll love it or not, because you have to watch it because that's what this podcast is about. Damn, skip it. Yeah. <laughs> so, Dan, you're going to like this because it's going to show you how to uh, appropriately engage a sexual partner. That's Scott, amazing. You will also like this because it will it will show you how to appropriately engage a sexual partner. But there's more. Um, so. To, to backtrack, obviously there was sex and education involved in the show that is called Sex Education. It is basically um, a dramedy, um, definitely some comedic elements uh, and a, a bit of drama. Takes place at a um, mostly at a school in England, um, and um, the main character is named Otis. His mother is a sex therapist, and the, the show takes an interesting track uh, by no, kind of leading to all the random sexual activity on the campus and uh, all the stuff that people run into, you know, while they're growing up and being in high school and uh, having their hormones raging and realizing that they could use some guidance. And so through, um, I'm not really spoiling anything because it carries through most of the series and you'll get to it in the first two episodes, which I'm going to ask you to watch. The main character Otis kind of takes on his mother's role and becomes a bit of a sex therapist himself. Ooh. So it's, it's, um, it's not your sort of, it's, in terms of a, a teenage dramedy, it's got the teenage drama that Scott likes and is liked in the society and the Outer Banks. So it's right up your alley, Scott. But it's a, it's a bit more earnest than those. And so it's um, it's less of sort of a tongue-in-cheek and, um, approach or or maybe an overly dramatic approach. But everything's pretty earnest and open. And that's I guess that's the, it's got that Ted Lasso-esque quality to it in that it's very straightforward and earnest. 
So it's in, in that sense, it's it's kind of nice. It's it's a it's a way to reflect on what it was like to have been that age, and it also kind of I don't know, for me helped me reflect on what I could have been more open about when I was that age. Um, because I think one of the things what, one of the things that the show really emphasizes is that uh, being open about your sexuality and what you're into and um, just dealing with it generally, whether you are a teenager or an adult, uh, is hard. But doing it is, will actually make your life better. And um, I think just, just for the record, you, uh, you, you, you said it's hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of the first things you learn in sex education is that things get hard. <laughs> Lots of things. True. It's a, it's, you know, a life lesson right there. Facts of life. <laughs> oh, and Scott, another reason you were going to like this particularly, because I remember you saying when you, you were, you were watching the society, um, one of the reasons that you liked it was because it reminded you a lot of Connecticut. Okay. Do you remember? Yeah, do you remember yeah that is true. Yes. So this show is like Connecticut. And it looks a lot, it's very picturesque and there's a sort of a, a small, small town feel to it, but it's in the UK. So it's like a super Connecticut. <laughs> so it's like the society, but better <laughs> and with more boning. So, the, so, the, so it, just to be clear, we're not talking about New England any longer. We're talking about the OG England here. That's right. Straight up, straight out of um, Islington, maybe um, straight out of Moorhead. Oh, Moorhead, I think is the name of the school. So, nice. um, of yeah. Moorhead, that is appropriate. Yes. Uh, I, I, <laughs> or it's Moordale. I could be wrong. <laughs> it should be Moorhead, um, but it might be Moordale. I forget, and that's terrible um, for a show that I'm actually trying to pitch and convince you to watch. Um, well, not convince you to watch, convince you to enjoy and keep watching, because you're going to watch it. That's the point of this whole thing. I think one. So the, the show in itself could kind of feel, it. it, it has the potential to go down that, um, after school special route, but I think it avoids that pretty well. Um, it's because it, it becomes a fully fleshed out, fleshed out show in its own right. Um, the one thing I noted that I've listed as you both pro probably liking and is the the soundtrack to this show is actually great. There were definitely points where I was like, I think you just pulled this right out right off my phone and just nice. put it on the show. There's a lot of really good music that they incorporate into this. It's really, it's well thought out. It's the, the plot is thoughtful and well done. Each episode, interestingly, in terms of structure contains its own individual solvable uh, issue that, that is covered by the uh, episode itself, but there's an overall arc to each season. So there's a reasonable amount of sophistication in terms of the storytelling, which I think is, a, is kind of impressive. And I think that, that in itself made the show really palatable for me because I wasn't sure if I was going to like it right away. And I ended up liking it a lot. And I think I, another reason that, um, just, a, just a pile on, a reason that, Scott, you might like the show is because education is in the title and you already work in education. So I, I think you're, you, it makes sense for you to watch it because you're halfway there already. I mean, it's like, it's like your life, but it's just adding a little bit more. Okay. Hmm. So, so two, so two things uh, I want to mention. One, uh, I liked how you use the term "fleshed out." That was uh, pretty <laughs> hilarious. I'm not um, even doing that on purpose. This is great. <laughs> uh, secondly, um, so I, I, in, a, in a previous episode, uh, you had mentioned that maybe uh, that uh, that books are not always the greatest uh, vehicle in which to learn. So, would you say that is also the case with this series? That's right. No, you learn by watching. You learn by watching all these all these random kids trying to bone and also random adults trying to bone 
and trying to figure out what they like and what they don't like, because it, it doesn't. Um, I think one of the one of the best parts about this series is that it doesn't really focus on anything, everything through a heterosexual lens, um, but it really embraces the entire breadth of sexuality for the most part. I mean, they're only season three, so there's still probably stuff, stuff that isn't necessarily covered, but they cover a lot. They cover a lot of different interests that people have and how to how to embrace that stuff and not not be ashamed of it and be able to live your life, which I think is it's a great message to throw out there. And I think it's just a, a real fun show to watch from that perspective. It kind of it kind of even though a lot of terrible things happen, you get to watch these characters grow and I think you ultimately empathize and end up being supportive of them in this sort of quirky retro and, and a weird, this weird convention of a, of a teenager giving out all this random sex advice. Hmm. Neat. So yeah. they, Scott, go ahead, go ahead, Scott. I was just going to say, and do they do this kind of sincerely, genuinely? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not, uh, it's not Euro trip. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I did no. enjoy your trip, but that's okay. Or or American yeah. Pie. No one says you you shouldn't have enjoyed your trip, but this is definitely not that. This is like it's 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 very much coming from a place of sincerity and earnestness, which is nice from a from a from a teenage drama standpoint. I was yeah. going to say it's not not usually the case with the, the those teenage type movies. Yeah, yeah, no, this is. I mean, it's it's very very much a um, an earnest show in in a lot of ways. I think. Um, and I, I guess I think that's where I've been turning lately. Uh, it's just a matter of personal taste, but I appreciate the earnestness and, and the honesty. And I, I like kind of where we've gotten to, at least from a, a storytelling perspective and what we're seeing in, in media generally in terms of earnestness, because after a while, I just got tired of to all the punching down. It, it just got exhausting after a while. So it, it was great to see. It's great to see shows like Sex Education. I'm going to throw Ted Lasso in there, too, to also to have this earnestness. And um, and still be incredibly entertaining, and still have like oh there's a there's a good amount of ju- juvenile humor like there are plenty of boner jokes guys like yeah. that that's not going anywhere it is sex education so after all so you you got to learn about that but at the same time uh, it is it is an incredibly earnest uh, earnest show about and I think connects with a lot of what we ourselves encountered when we were when we were growing up. So, you, you, so would you say that uh, they also they, they they address various different issues like you know, love the kind you clean up with a mop and bucket? Yeah, uh, yes. I mean that that is that is a thing they address a little bit more earnest than that. Um, less in terms of uh, a bloodhound gang um, lyrics, but yeah, no that 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 is definitely covered one hundred percent. And I think the people who are covering this. Uh, since they come from from the from the realm of sci-fi, at least two of the leads, uh, I think that might help actually smooth the transition for you guys because you got Aza, you go. a, a, the main lead, Otis Aza Butterfield, who was in Ender's Game. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming you guys both like, but I don't. I don't know if we've ever discussed it. We, I, I did enjoy the, the film a lot. Basically, I thought you know there was, I liked a lot of the ways that movie they kind of dealt with some of the. Um, aspects that came out of the novel because there's some there's a lot of interior we talked about this even before before the recording today um there's a lot of you know interior monologue um that is is sometimes a challenge to translate to the screen because when you're reading a book it's one thing you can you can you can see what a person's thinking in in, in the words on the page whereas they have to portray that visually or at least audio visually on a screen so it's definitely a challenge for sure but yeah ace butterfield he's, he's pretty pretty good yeah. Wait, was he Ender? 
Yes. Yes. Okay. Huh. And then uh, Gillian Anderson, who plays his mom, uh, the sex therapist, formerly of the X-Files. And, I mean, we all she knows the truth is out there. And she's mostly <laughs> trying to help you find it, which is pretty great. So we can so you're, so you're saying this, that other Bloodhound lyric is kind of apropos as well. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so we can both watch X Files. Oh God! It always comes back to Bloodhound Gang every <laughs> single time. Yeah, I think we have. I think we <laughs> might have. I think we might get an episode title out of that yet. I think we might actually. <laughs> and another British role for Gillian Anderson, huh? Yeah, I think she's English yes. now. Like, I don't. <laughs> is she like fully English? Yeah, yeah, like straight up English. <laughs> like at this point, like has completely given up any U- U.S. citizenship she may have had before. <laughs> like once you play Margaret Thatcher and get it, uh, get an Emmy for it, I don't think I think you're allowed to be a U.S. U.S. citizen anymore. Yeah. And she just became a th- that was like her credentials for becoming a British citizen. Agreed. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that that is what that is one of the paths to citizenship in the UK. Yeah. Um, <laughs> play 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 a, ma- a major uh, figure in in government or the royal family, yeah, cool. and you're good. So in that way, then John Lithgow can get citizenship because he played uh, Winston Churchill. Yes, that's true. And you could by playing Prince. Is it Harry or William that you look like? <laughs> Harry, William, I think. Well, you know, William. William. Yeah, Prince William. Okay. Prince William. It's William, right? yeah. Prince so William, do, yeah. And is that the one? Wait, I, I, I don't know the royals at all. Was that the one that ended up in California with Meghan Markle or the other one? No, the other. He's the other one. He's, he's the one the who stayed. One. So, yeah, Scott, this is your way to get UK citizenship. Yes. <laughs> Score. I just need to play him in like in some kind of random like regional theater production in the, in the UK somewhere. Why? You, or, why or, even do that? Or or you go the Jamie Costa route like you did with Robin Williams. That's okay. true. That oh, that really caught YouTube. fire. So, yeah, just do stuff on YouTube. Cool. All right, I'm up for it. <laughs> nice. And right. I think one of the one of the issues that have, has been a bit of a, a challenge for you guys in terms of the UK shows that I keep pitching, um, because I'm, I guess apparently just a really good colonial, um, <laughs> but red, red uh, coat. basically at this point, right? Like if someone <laughs> with a net, there've definitely been times at work. I was like, I think I'm just doing what you're telling me to, because you have a British accent. Um, but so I, I don't think you're with this show, you'll be particularly overloaded with UK references. Cause I know that came up with travel man where they would make a bunch of random references to UK celebrities. I, I, I don't think that's going to be as much of a hurdle with this one, to be honest. Is there, so along the same lines, are there, are there any, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, specific terms or vocab that, you know, that, you know, we as Americans might be less familiar with. You know what's funny? I, there wasn't anything that jumped out at me where I was like, "Oh, um, that's not that's going to be a word that people don't know unless they watch a lot of random British TV." I mean, I, I think I think we've all like you know heard like you know snog and you know, referred to referred to a, a bollocks and, mm-hmm. and 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 things like that. So I think some I think some of those more general terms the majority of us have probably heard in some way, shape, or fashion previously with other uh, related uh, content that you know from from Britain. So, bell end is one you're going to have to know. Um, okay. that, cause that does come up with Scott, that means penis. Um, and, um, so, cause I know in the, at least in the first, first two, I rewatched the first two episodes for the bitch and Bell End definitely does come up. Um, so that's, 
Dan, I, I think you just need to sing that uh, Monty Python song for us. Oh yes, yes, yes. The the the, the, the yeah. Is it friendly good to have it on? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a classic one. So, and you don't need to take my word for it because also Mark, our Lord and Savior Margaret Lyons of the New York Times is a fan of the show. Oh, I, I can quote from her from uh, a snippet she wrote about the second season when it came on. She she writes the second season of the British coming of age show is now streaming on Netflix, just renewed for a third season. It, as of recording, the third season's out, been out for a while, and it's great. And she says it's great news for anyone who likes the earnest side of teen sex comedies. Asa Butterfield stars as the dweeby darling Otis, son of sex educator Jillian Anderson, extremely good, who finds himself counseling his classmates about bodies, relationships, identities, and decency. In addition to being a secret sweetheart of the series, sex education has some of the, my favorite production and costume design, retro and quirky, with an earth, earthy color palette and a fully uh, developed sense of place. So it's kind of got that retro feel, Scott. So it's in terms of like 70s, I don't think they talk about Bob Seger or Jackson Brown, but <laughs> it channels it in a way. Does it take place in the 70s? Uh No. No, I think it's it's present day though. These kids do wear like kind of retroy clothes sometimes. Oh, okay, okay. Like the main character wears the jacket where I'm like, oh no, this this is a very retro jacket. Though it looks kind of cool. All right. Well, now it's time for the most important question: Is Donald P. Belisario a fan? <laughs> I don't know. It's nothing to do with time travel, so maybe. Oh. Yeah, or it doesn't do with time travel or the uh, naval criminal investigation criminal service. investigation service. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing. Do you have any other questions about the show itself, generally? So, so what's the, what's the so the episode length is is it like the uh, like an hour long you know, in that vicinity? Yes, uh, the, yeah, these are about like um, if they were on network television, they'd be hour long, but they're about like, like forty five to fifty minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm going to recommend the first two episodes. Sweet, because it is very much a narrative that follows uh, that you need to watch in sequence. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's you know, it's no surprise that you know, with a title like that, that they definitely went to three three seasons because if you think about you know um, some of the more you know racy content that has existed on cable through the years, basically that is you know you know it, it's you know that is gone for many 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 seasons. It's no surprise that you know uh, a, a more like I said, a thought provoking and earnest show that you're describing it. It's you know, it's understood how it's you know able to get this far and also with a stellar cast too so yeah definitely definitely looking for looking looking forward to this one uh and i i, I know i've had uh i know i've heard other people talk about it for sure so you know the, the hype the hype uh apparently could be real yeah same here i've heard people like say that they watch it and that they enjoy watching it so yeah i'm looking forward to uh seeing what it's like what it's up uh, what the yeah and like how it works in terms of the individual episodes and the, the continuing plots uh, how those uh, work together. Do it again now. Well, we tried. That brings us to the end of another episode of the Watch OK Please podcast. Please join us next week for another exercise in futility. In the meantime, please rate and review us on iTunes. Or if you didn't listen to a, to this on iTunes, please complain about us on your social media platform of choice. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>